Hey there, and welcome to the Refuge Podcast. We're a podcast of Crossroads Community Church here in Nampa, Idaho. And here at the church, we believe in being a place of refuge, transformation, and partnership with God. My name is Charlie, and I'm a pastor here at the church. And I'm Scott, and I'm one of the partners here at Crossroads. And today, we get to talk more about Ephesians with Pastor Kent. But before we do that, we want to talk about this idea of church at home. Now, Scott, what's church at home? Uh, church at home is where um, everybody's going to go over to Charlie's house next week. That's right. We're going to have everybody, <laughs> all 300 people. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, church at home for the next three months, we're going to be not having church in our building. The last Sunday of the month. The last Sunday of July, August, and September. And maybe longer if we really feel like. Um, but it's, it's a really exciting thing that we're doing uh, for a host of different reasons. But what, what have been your thoughts, Scott, as we talk about church at home? I mean, I I like church at home I'm, because church is not not necessarily just this building here. I mean, it was, uh, you know, this, jur- this building serves a purpose, but it's kind of nice because it gets us out of this building and really where the church truly is. It's, it's out in the world out there. Yeah, it's people. Yeah. And so it helps us to maybe get out of the, the mind out of the, the the idea out of our mind that church is in this building and yeah that's it and ken's gonna reiterate this at the end of his message but we wanted to just make sure that this got across part of the reason we're doing this is precautionary that um we need to be able to respond to things like covid that when we can't come to a building can we still be the church and so going forward we want to use this as a model to help people to have different avenues to do church like scott said it's not about our building it's about you uh, our community being the church. It's also just practical. We can't do communion during this uh, COVID scare. And so we're doing it at home with church online. And then lastly, it's philosophical. We're changing the way, like Scott said, where you are the church. If you're listening to this, if you are a partner here at Crossroads, you are the church. You don't need to come here to be the church. And so we want to start living that out by setting aside a Sunday a month for three months to say, we're going to disciple our own children. We're going to have a church service in our home, and we don't need to go to a professional church to do it. So we're going to go ahead and listen right now to Pastor Kent's message, and then we'll get back together and listen to it. Well, good morning, Crossroads. Glad you're here joining us on site. Want to say hello to those of you who are watching online uh, and practicing church at home right now. So I am going to share a little bit later at the end of the message a little bit about the why we're doing the church at home. I know a lot of you have asked, okay, well, why are we doing that? There was a time where we were sort of forced to do that, but now that we're not forced to do that, why are we purposely doing this? So bear with me, but at the end of today's message, I will share with you why we are going to do church at home and why there's good reasons to do it. But today, we're actually going to continue in the book of Ephesians, and I, I know that you're all thoroughly studied in chapter 4 and ready to move on, but we are not going to move on yet from the passage we've been studying the last few weeks in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to talk more about equipping. And the reason is, is because equipping is a complex subject. It's difficult for people to grasp it because it's a word that has been defined in a thousand different ways. And unfortunately, Paul doesn't define it right there in the passage. He just says we are to equip the saints for the work of service, for the, for the work of ministry, for God's work. And so I want to spend some time today with you drilling a little bit deeper into the concept of equipping, a biblical idea of equipping so that you know that you have been given tools 
to be able to equip others. Now let's start with one simple concept. Number one, a lot of people think when it comes to that passage in Ephesians, and it says that we are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that that's the job of the pros. That is the job of the professional pastors and elders and missionaries. And then they basically train you, the body, to do the work of the ministry. But what if we were to change our perspective and start thinking about all of us as equippers? What if it's not about the professionals only doing it, but everybody that's in church together, part of the body of Christ, if we got the idea that we are all equippers, that could change things a little bit. So what we want to do today is take it out of the hands of the pros and put it into the hands of the body so you understand when you leave today that you have been equipped. You have been equipped by the Spirit of God as a member of the family of God to do ministry. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to Ephesians chapter 4? We're going to focus in on verses 11 and 12, and then I promise we'll continue on in chapter 4 next week, uh, or the following week when we're back here. So we will just dig a little bit deeper here in verses 11 and 12. If you don't have a Bible, we'll put it on the screen for you. But I brought my, my tool set because I'm going to be using this as an illustration of some of the tools that God gives us to be able to build up the church, the body of Christ. So if you look at verse 11, here's what it says. Paul wrote, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Now, one thing I want to point out real quickly here is that word and is in that text. It says to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. The word and is not in the Greek text here. And so actually this should be translated to equip God's people to do his work, which is building up the church, the body of Christ. So let's just simplify this. We are called to be equippers who equip the body of Christ to build up the body of Christ. In other words, we minister to one another. It's been said, Pastor Jim has said that uh, my gift isn't for my benefit, it's for yours. And your gift isn't for your benefit, it's for mine. We use our gifts to serve one another and we've all been given a gift. And Pastor Jim has said, rightly so, that this list in verse 11, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, uh, these are gifts, not people. Now, they are people too. So it can be a bit confusing. There are pastors and teachers and evangelists and prophets and apostles, but these are specifically gifts that are given to people to do the work of the ministry. And we've been challenging and encouraging you to take a spiritual gifts test, to go online and to find out what the gift you've been given, one or two or maybe even more of these five, we call them apest gifts that have been distributed to the body of Christ all around the world for the purpose of building up the body of Christ. So I want to sort of drill down a little bit into the equipping tools. The word for equipping is this word katartidzo. It's a bit of a mouthful. But in the Greek, it is the word katartidzo. And so it says that we are to equip or katartidzo the saints to do the work of service, which is building the body of Christ. But the thing I want to show you here today, oh good, it's on the screen, is that katartidzo has actually, count them, five different meanings 
or uses. And unfortunately, we don't know this. We see the word equip and we think, okay, the job is to equip. So when you think about equipping, you probably think about equipment, right? It sounds like equipment. So our job is to give equipment to somebody else, right? To give you equipment so you can sort of, you know, do your own thing. That is not what equipping is. Equipping is actually using my equipment, the equipment that God has given to me. So this is my tool belt. This is my equipment. It's my equipment. And what I do is I don't, I don't give it to you. I don't say, here's, here's my equipment. I use my own equipment to help you. But these are my tools. And specifically the tools that God has given to me. So you have to understand, every one of us has been given different tools. Different tools to build the body of Christ. And your tool is tied to your gift. And that's what I want you to get today is that your tool that you've been given or tools is tied to your gift. So the idea of equipping here has five different applications. And I want to show you in the Bible these five different meanings of the word equip. So you can connect it to your gift. So let's start with the first one. The first one is that the, the word equip, katartizo, means to supply to supply something. And it occurs in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10 where Paul wrote, Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to, here it is, katartizo the gaps. Literally, equip the gaps in your faith. So here the exact same word that is in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 is right here in 1 Thessalonians. Only this time it is rendered differently because of the context. Equip, no, fill. To fill the gaps. To literally supply whatever is lacking. Now I look at my tool bag and I ask myself, what do I have in here that I could use to fill the gaps? What tool? Well, do you know what this is? Yes, I, I have a gun in church. This, this one is not dangerous, though, I promise you. So I do have a tool in here. You know what this is, right? It's a caulking gun. And what does it do? Fills gaps, right? Fills in the holes, fills in the cracks, you know, and closes the places that need to be, that need to be filled. It, it's a sense of like meeting the need of the moment. And so here we see Paul saying that, we want to fill the gaps in your faith. In other words, supply what is lacking. And so this concept is very akin to like a parent sort of filling the gaps in their kid's life. What are the things my kids need that I need to fill? Or maybe like a, an organization filling the needs of its employees. Or maybe church leadership filling the needs of the church, the congregation. So this is a specific use of equip. Equipping is to fill the gaps or to supply whatever might be lacking. Another one here is that equip means to restore. Perhaps you've heard this before. To equip means to restore. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, Peter uses this word. He writes, in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore you. He will literally equip you. 
It's the same word, katartidzo. Only here, it is rendered not as fill, it's rendered as restore. And in this context, it means to bring something back to new condition. So, do I have a tool in my bag that would be for restoration? Yes, I do. This is a sanding tool. And what do you do with a sanding tool? You sand things down to restore them. Maybe it's an old piece of furniture that you need to sand down to give a new coat of paint. Maybe it's an old car. You like to restore old cars. You need to sand them down before you put the new coat of paint on them. Take off all the rust and all the junk. So there is a tool, and equipping means to literally restore something back to its original condition. So some of you have been given a tool to help restore others to their original condition. Maybe your heart is, you see, you know, hurting people and you see how they're broken and you just want to fix it. You want to fix the problem. You want to fix their life. You want to help them in that matter. That might be a tool that God has given to you. A third one. To equip means to help. It means to help. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help, katartidzo, equip that person back onto the right path. So here in Galatians, Paul is talking about a believer that falls into sin and the idea of sort of redirecting or realigning that person back onto the path of righteousness. So he says, one of the tools that God gives to equippers is the ability to help people correct themselves. And so these would be like the peacemakers. These are the people that see the conflict between God and man and they want to help fix it. Or the conflicts between people and they want to help fix that. So getting people back on the right path is is a tool or a skill to be able to remind people of the truth and to sort of recalibrate their lives so they're on the right path again. So I I have a tool here. You know what this is? It's not as cool as Gwen's, which is green and big. This is a level. I have this in my bag. So what is a level used for? Yeah, to, to straighten, right? To align things. So if like you're... Your, your pictures on the wall aren't straight. You use this to make it straight. It's to, to help justify angles. To be able to justify something is to create a right angle. You know we're justified by God, right? It's like to be straightened out and pointed in the right direction. And so in one sense, this is another tool that God has given to the equipper. So maybe your heart is that you see people who are lost and you want to redirect them to the path toward God. Or maybe sinners who are walking down the wrong path and you want to get them back on the right one. Does this sound familiar maybe with one of the five apes gifts? Like maybe evangelism? Interesting. Number four, to equip means to repair. This is an interesting, the word here, um, the word katartizo formally is a medical term. It is a medical term that was used in the first century by doctors to describe the setting of a broken bone. So when you think about equipping, one way equipping is applied or rendered, one of the meanings is this concept of repairing what is broken or repairing what is torn. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, we read, A little farther up the shore, he, that is Jesus, saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee. What are they doing? Repairing their nets. 
equipping their nets. So fishermen, you know, would have nets and sometimes those nets would tear. They would fray, they would break. So they had to actually mend and fix them. So here they are actually sitting there fixing the nets that had been torn or had worn out. And they are literally katartidzoing, <laughs> equipping their nets. And only here in this passage, it means not to fill. It means not to restore necessarily. It means to repair to repair something, mending what is torn. So maybe your heart is a desire to help people who are hurting feel better. To maybe fix what's broken in their lives, to set the bones that have been broken by the pain and the struggle and the loss of this life. Maybe you have a soft heart and you just care deeply about those who are having a hard time. So do I have a tool? I have a kind of a tool for repairing? Of course I do. You know what this is, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 you know what this is, right? This is called duct tape. Or in other words, it fixes everything. So maybe the tool that God has given you, he put it in my bag here, this is a tool that God gives us to fix and repair things that are torn and broken. And it's amazing what you can do with tape. You can fix a lot. So maybe this is a gift that God has given to you. It's a skill, it's a tool that God has put in your bag to be able to help fix, mend, repair what has been broken or torn in the lives of others. Now here's something interesting. This sounds a lot like the shepherding gift, doesn't it? Do you know that um, 50%, they say 50% of churchgoers, 50% of us have the gift of shepherding. Half of the church has been equipped with this tool because your heart and desire is to come alongside and to help mend, fix, repair those whose lives are shattered and broken. What a beautiful thing. You know what that means? Half of us are pastors. Half of us are pastors, not just those of us who are up on stage and those of us that maybe get paid to do it for a living. Half of us, literally, that is our gift and we have this tool to be able to help mend and repair those who are broken and hurting. How about another one? Number five, to equip also means to train. It means to train. Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully equipped will become like the teacher. So this is Jesus talking, and he uses the word, or the word here attributed to him is katartidzo. And he says, in the context of tutelage or teaching, this is kind of an academic word, that these students are taught to become like the teacher. Ultimately, a student reaches their goal when they become just like the teacher. And of course, we know the teacher is Jesus. And that the nature of the Christian life is to be conformed to his image, to become like him. So the question is, who helps people learn and grow and become like Jesus? Hopefully, it's those that have a tool. I'm going to grab this one. You know what this is, right? No, you don't? Okay, this is a tape measure. <laughs> Let's help the people online know that we're smart around here. They, yes, yes, it's a, it's a tape measure. So this is sort of like, I remember, you know, in a lot of homes growing up, uh, even in mine, I remember uh, we'd find like a, a nook or cranny on the wall, like around the kitchen, and then my mom or my dad would measure me and put a little line right there. And then they'd measure me again like six months later or next year, and we'd see how we had grown over the years. 
So they were reminding us of how we had grown, and they were participating in our growth, raising us, training us to become mature adults. And so this is kind of a a great illustrative tool to illustrate that we're measuring the growth of people. We are helping to train people to measure up to the fullness of Christ. So maybe this is a tool that's been put in your mix. You know, studies say that 20% of us are teachers, 20% of us have the gift of teaching. And so you have the gift. Maybe it's not to be a full-time vocational teacher, but maybe you have the gift to use teaching other people, teaching in a school, teaching your family, discipling your kids. I mean, there's a lot of opportunities, but this is the tool you've been given if you're a teacher. So here's what I want you to see in all this is that there are five equipping tools. Supplier, restorer, Helper, repairer, and a trainer. All of you are one of those, if not more. And what's so interesting is that if you were to overlay the five APES gifts with the five meanings of equip, they line up with the five gifts. In other words, each of them says there's a tool for each of the five gifts, a specific tool that aligns with that gift for you to use to equip the body of Christ. So are you a supplier? Are you a restorer? Are you a helper? Are you a repairer? Are you a trainer? So the question is, which tool have you been given? Because you have been given at least a tool, perhaps even more than one. So here's where the rubber meets the road. If you have the apostolic gift, you have probably the supplier tool. To supply leadership and direction to the body. To look out for the needs of the believers in the church and want to advance and take care of her. You have the supplying tool that God has put into your tool belt because he's gifted you to use that tool. So you are supposed to have eyes to see the needs in the body and want to meet those needs. And so typically people who have this tool are the ones who sort of you know, take ownership in the church and want to think of all the things the church needs and wants to see that those needs are met. And they're filling those needs. And those are leaders. And those are people who see the future and the direction and where the church needs to go. So chances are, if you have the apostolic gift, you are a supplier. And your responsibility is to supply the leadership and direction to the body. You might be called to do something more. Number two, If you have the prophetic gift, you probably have a restorer tool. You probably have the sander to restore the condition and integrity of the body. It's been said that uh, prophetic folks are truth tellers. Some would say you should have used the hammer for that one. No, actually that's not (laughs) biblically accurate. A better tool, honestly, a better tool, if I can find it. Oh, here it is. To describe prophets is this one. You know, prophets, they tell the truth because they love people. They, they, we call it tough love sometimes. But the reality is they speak the truth because they want to see people do better and enjoy life more. They want them to experience the blessing of God. So they tell them the truth for the purpose of helping them grow. Not because they want to be mean. Not because they just want to you know, tell you the truth without extending any grace. No, they're sanding off the rust edges so you can get a fresh coat. That's what a prophet does. 
If you have the evangelistic gift, this is interesting, you have probably a helper tool. That is to help the body change and get right with God. So a lot of people, when they look at the evangelistic gifts, say, well, that's a gift for the outside. If you have the evangelistic gift, then it has really no purpose within the body, and that's not true. The evangelistic gift does have a role to play in the body because you, are, you have a heart and a passion to call people back to the gospel. You, you remind people of, of where things should line up to recalibrate. And so you call people to change and get right with God. Now you do that certainly with non-believers. You certainly reach out to those who don't know God and you're a peacemaker between them and God, but you're also a peacemaker in the body of Christ. Evangelists are peacemakers. Number four, if you have the shepherding gift, you probably have a repairer tool to repair broken and hurting people in the body. If you are a shepherd, and that's 50% of us, you probably want to help people get better. So, you have this. Okay? This is what God has given you. And so that can be applied to many situations and many different people. And so 50% of you are given that tool. And then finally, number five, if you have the teaching gift, you have a trainer tool probably to train the body to learn and apply God's word. You have this special gifting to be able to explain things to people in a way that makes sense. So you have that training tool. And so this is the gift or the tool that God has given you to use with your gift to help measure people and remind them of how they're growing and calling them to keep growing. So here's the point. According to the numbers, 10% of us have the apostolic gift, 10% of us have the prophetic gift, 10% have the evangelistic gift, 50% of us have the shepherding gift, and 20% of us have a teaching gift. The point is, every one of you is in there. Every one of you has one of these gifts and tools to be able to use your gift. God has given you the ability to use your gift. And here's the thing. God never expected you to have all five. In fact, nobody does but Jesus. But some of you might have two or perhaps even three. But all of these tools are meant to do the same thing. So how do you find your tool? You start by finding your gift. And I want to give you some practical advice about how to do it. First, take the spiritual gifts inventory if you haven't already, take the spiritual gifts inventory at the fivefoldsurvey.com. I know we said that several weeks in a row, but some of you are, are being stubborn. <laughs> so I want to encourage you to please do that. It's not hard. It doesn't cost any money. It's a free one. There are plenty of paid ones out there you're, you're more than willing to take, I hope. So take an inventory or a test. Number two, and this is important, pray for God to reveal your gifts to you. He's the giver anyway. The Holy Spirit has given you the gift. He can tell you which one he's put in you. So pray about it and ask for God to reveal it to you. And I think God will. Number three, experiment with the gifts to see which ones you enjoy and which ones produce the most fruit. Here's the thing. If, if you're experimenting with one of the gifts you think might be true of you and you find it's not really working that well, it's not producing a lot of fruit, then try another one. See, if that suits you more, one way to find out is just to try them on and to see. If you like to get up front and speak in front of people, you should try my gift. Most people don't. <laughs> it's pretty terrifying. So try on the different gifts to see which ones you enjoy, because here's the reality. If you're using the gift that God has given you, you will enjoy it. 
It will fill you. It will not drain you. If you're trying something and it's draining you, it's because it's not your gift. When you're doing what God has created you to do, it fills you up and it produces good fruit. Number four, and this is really critically important, seek input. Seek feedback from people that you know and trust, who know you, to be able to help you see what you can't see. Ask people, what do you think my gift is? Ask the people who know you the best, what do you think my gift is? Kids, ask your parents. If you don't know, ask them to help you identify your gift. So a lot of times we need the counsel of others to help us see what we cannot see ourselves. So yes, take the inventory, pray, experiment, and seek input and confirmation from others to identify your gift. Because when you find your gift, you will find your tool. You will have your tool. Your tool is to equip, but you've been given a specific tool or set of tools to, to do it in the body of Christ. And we want all of you to discover this. This is critically important, and I want to give you the reasons why. There are four of them. Why is knowing your tool so important? First and foremost, we have all been given a tool or tools. So, we are all equippers. I said this at the beginning, I'm saying it again. Hear me correctly. You are an equipper. Stop waiting for only the professionals to do the equipping. You are an equipper. You have a gift and a tool or tools to be able to equip other people to grow in their relationship with Christ. And your task is to simply find out what that gift and tool is and then use it. So we are all equippers. Number two, we all have been given different tools Therefore, we all equip differently. This is so important. There, there's a bit of a misnomer in the church that the people who do the equipping primarily are the, like the teaching pastors. That really, that's, that's your job. So it's my job up here to do all the equipping. That is just not true. And the reality is we don't equip in just one way. There's not just one tool that God has given to equip and it's just teaching the Bible. There are other tools that God has given that we have talked about to use to build the body of Christ. And I don't have all those tools. I have one of those, maybe two of them. But the fact is you have the others. And so we're meant to do this together. We're meant to do it together. So we all use our tools for the same purpose. Do you know what that purpose is? To build up the body of Christ to edify the body of Christ. So even though we all have different tools and we all have different roles to play, we're moving towards the same goal. We have the same purpose. We're pursuing the same thing. And that is to build one body. Paul just told us earlier in this chapter that it is one body, right? One faith, one baptism to remind us that even though we're all different in our gift set, we are moving towards the same goal, working towards the same purpose, which is to build the one body of Christ universal. And that's why, you know, here at Crossroads, we say we are a local assembly of the body. We are not the only body of Christ. We are part of the body of Christ at large. And so your ministry is not even just to this particular local assembly. It is to the greater body of Christ around the world. We all work together. We have a common goal. And we have to do it together. Together. 
And then number four, we all have a responsibility to the body. Paul said this. He said it is their responsibility. In other words, it is our responsibility. So we all must use our tools. See, here's the thing. It's your job. It's your job to use your tool. If you're not using your tool, you're not doing your job. If you're sitting around waiting for everyone else to use their tool, you're not doing your job, fulfilling your obligation to the body of Christ. This is not like an optional thing. The way Paul describes it is, it is their responsibility, those five APAS gifts, once you know your gift, it is your job and accountability to the body to use it to build up the body of Christ. It's our job. And how would our life change if we began to view knowing our gift and using the tool attached to it as our job? It's our job. Our job. And imagine what God could do in this world if every believer, every member of the body of Christ actually started using the tool that God has given them. What would happen to the church, not only here in our country, but around the world? So rather than playing victim and saying, oh, COVID is messing everything up. We need to sort of circle the wagons. Wrong. Maybe we mobilize. Maybe we mobilize. Maybe we, we mount up, right? And we all start using our gift. So this leads into the why. Why are we tasking you to do church at home next week? Why are we doing this once a month for the next three months? There are three critical reasons. The first one is it's precautionary. It's a bit precarious out there right now. Have you noticed? It's a little strange. Information's changing on a daily basis. But we have to be able to respond to whatever happens. And if we were not able to meet together physically, we need to have a plan of action to get people together and continue ministry and being the church. So this is a model we're testing out to see if it's what we need to employ if circumstances change. So it is precautionary, number one. Number two, it is flatly practical. It's flatly practical. We cannot do corporate communion here. So therefore, we want you to have communion. We want you to celebrate and come to the table of the body of Christ. It's an important sacrament we talk a lot about and we practice. So knowing that we can't do that here safely, we know you can do it in your homes. So we have to have you in your home in order to do it. So it's critically important for you to be able to have communion with your family and your friends. So we want you to do it on these weeks we have designated for church at home. Does that make sense? And then finally, and in relation to the message today, this is also deeply philosophical. We as a church have embraced a shared leadership style. We believe that the way God has equipped us is that there are multiple gifts and multiple different people that need to come together to do ministry together. No one person has them all and no one person should bear the entire burden. So we have decentralized ministry. And what that means is we want to empower the church to be the church. So we need not just our staff to co-lead together and own this this ministry, we need the entire church to rise up to empower them to use their gifts, you to use your gifts, to deploy the body of Christ, to mobilize and build the church, the body of Christ 
here in Idaho and beyond. So this is deeply philosophical. We do not want to continue only centralizing ministry on this campus, in this building, in this neck of the woods. We want to mobilize the people of God in a time like this to go out in a missional way to reach their community, starting with their own families. And I would add this, parents, you are the primary disciplers of your children, not us. And if you expect youth ministry and children's ministry to be the disciples of your children, you are shirking your responsibility as a parent. It is our job as moms and dads to disciple our kids, and so we want to empower you to do that. We want to empower you to go home and to shepherd and disciple your children. And yes, it's a bit uncomfortable. I understand. Like, well, how do I do church at home? Here's the answer. Do it according to your gift and tool. Just as Gwen was saying earlier, do it to the best of your ability and don't worry about it. No one's recording it. <laughs> Unlike they're recording this <laughs> and broadcasting this, they're not recording you. Don't sweat it. You have a gift. You have a tool. Use it to facilitate discussion in your home. And after all, as Gwen said, we've been doing this anyway for months and months. It shouldn't be all that hard. But now we're doing it purposefully because we have a reason. A cautionary reason, a practical reason, and a philosophical reason. Have I left any I's undotted or T's uncrossed? <laughs> this is why we're doing it. So next week, you will not be here. Well, I'll say at least we won't be here. Maybe you will show up. <laughs> Stay home. Invite your neighbors if you're comfortable. We're doing church at home. We will give you what you need to be able to do it. You can do this. You have a gift, you have a tool, and maybe more to be able to facilitate this in your own homes and know that it's purposeful. And then we will regather here on August 2nd. Okay, it's only one week. Don't freak out. Amen? They can't hear you online. Can you say it louder? Amen. Amen. Yeah, I thought Ken did a great job moving through those different definitions of the word equip, which I thought actually was really cool, his examples. And then I really liked how we got to how those line up with the gifts. But, you know, Scott, you said you and your wife were really talking about how these gifts fit with other gifts in the New Testament, right? Because there are times when we talk about gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and then also in Romans 12. And um, you, you had an idea, and I think this really fits with what, what Kent was talking about, about what, how those gifts fit. Yeah, I, mean, I I liked what my wife and I were talking about. She she was saying, well, what about some of the other gifts like of, of tongues or of service? Uh, how would these fit in? And, and I was thinking, well, you know, I would think that tongues could get fit in nicely with the apostolic gift, prophetic gift, evangelistic gift, uh, depending on where you're called, what you're using that gift for. If your gift is service, wow, that could easily go under uh, shepherding, I would think. Um, evangelism, and just, it seems like the these five would be kind of broad umbrella categories, right? And, yeah. And I think you mentioned to me a few minutes ago that those in First Corinthians might be a little more practical where they would fit, under, fit underneath these five yeah. categories, right? Yeah, I've heard it called, these are the five ministries, being the, you know, um, apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelistic, the shepherding, the teaching. These are the ministries, 
and the, and the things that we do. But like you said, that each of those, there are some that fit real firmly under there. Like I would say service is definitely a shepherding thing, but it can also be evangelistic. You know, um, they can fall under those ministries and be used, but those are more practical on the ground outpourings of those ministries. And I thought, but I thought that was helpful then interesting that you and your wife were having that discussion. Yeah. Yeah. When she, when she came out of the service, she was a little confused about how they fit together. And it wasn't till we talked it through a little bit. We thought, you know what, that's probably how they could fit nicely. Yeah. And that's, it's important to know, to know those things. Cause as you were listening today, whether you've taken the test or not, it was pretty cool that, that the five different meanings of this word, uh, katarizo, which means equip, one of them means to supply, right? So an apostle may be someone who supplies, right? They supply leadership and direction to the body. It can mean restore. In prophets, they restore the condition of the body. They speak the truth of God over the body. It could be help, right? Because evangelists, they redirect, they straighten out uh, to make sure that we're in line with the heart of God to go out to the people. Um, it could be, this word can mean repair, like in Matthew 4.21, and the shepherds, what they do is they they repair hurting people and broken people. And the last thing this word, katarizo, means it, it can mean train, right? And we talk about, you know, you and I with our teaching gift, one thing we love to do is train. And so how cool is it that each of those definitions of that word can be lived out in these five ministries? Way cool. I, I loved his, what, visual aids that he had. I mean, visual yeah. aids for me, but, you know, when the cocking gun and the ruler... A masking tape or uh, duct tape, and all those those were uh, helpful to think. Wow, you know that's kind of what it does to a house, fills in the gap somewhere, and that's right. what it could do for this or spiritual house or, or the the ruler or the um, tape measure. Yeah. You know, it's it's the guy, the cannon, and I it, it really helped me to um, picture in what is the exact difference between the. I don't know, apostolic gift and the pro- prophetic gift. And having a little guide like that just was helpful. Yeah, yeah. But what I love, I, I thought that was part where, you, you know, the part where you talked about how knowing your gifting is so important because we have all been called to equip. And each of us is going to equip differently in our giftings, but we all have to work together to equip the people in our church. And we have to use our tools. You know, I think one of the things we talk about all the time is that, you know, we need each other. We need this diverse gifting. You know, we can't just have all the same gift or we're going to miss out. You know, if you try to do a project and you don't have a level, but you do have duct tape, (laughs) it could go horribly wrong. You know what I mean? And vice versa. If you only have a level and no, no measuring tool, you know what I mean? Like you're going to end up out of whack in some way. And how, how easy it is for the church to look at other people and say, oh, well, they don't have this gifting. They really need to be more like me. Yeah, That's easy. That is so easy to do. Um, and I've seen it done, and I've seen it done out of my own lips. Yeah. And uh, so I really appreciate when I look at people with their diverse giftings and say, you know what, I, I need you. Mm-hmm. And I want to make it so that I'm useful, so that... You know, I, I really believe you need me too. And I have a responsibility to be useful. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny too. I think sometimes I wish I had other gifts. I know Beth said that a couple of weeks ago. Like, I think we can look at other people and go, why don't you have my gift? But I can also look at myself and say, I wish I had this gift, but we were meant to do this together. 
you know, well, and we say that, you know, you and I both being teachers and shepherds, I think, but, you know, you know, we, we need a diverse group within the church. Otherwise we do start to only go after one gift or only after one thing and we miss the balance. We do. Yeah. And the church would easily get, if the church is off balance, it's not helpful to anybody. And as time goes on, we're not going to be able to help the world. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a creative tension uh, that we have that we desperately need to, to foster. Yeah. Well, we would say we will join you next week, but we will be doing church at home. There will be no real message. And so enjoy a week uh, just being with your family. And we'll get together in a couple weeks and talk about the message then and maybe talk about some stories about church at home. And so we hope you guys have a great experience really working through and maybe inviting some people over to your home to share and to do church together. Uh, If you have some children in your home, I would say set some time aside. Talk about Jesus. Be a part of discipling your children. You are going to have the most profound impact on how your children view Jesus. And so we hope you take advantage of this time for church at home. And we look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks.